Hi, welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. My name is Dave Pryor, and today I have Andrew Fuqua with me. Andrew, thank you for being here this morning. Cool. Thanks, Dave. Looking forward to it. I am too. So we're going to talk all about Slack, and I'm excited to, to take on this topic, especially in light of some of the things in interviews we've had recently, like the one with Derek a few weeks ago about being on vacation, because um, these are- cast. Uh, thank you. These are these are topics that I, I consider to be closely tied together in sort of a productivity theme. And um, before we get into the topic, Andrew, can you explain to the folks briefly, you know, what you do at Leading Agile and kind of the, the main focus of your work? Sure. I'm a transformation consultant and we have a, there's a gaggle of us uh, that do this at Leading Agile. What we're trying to do is uh, transform organizations. We're trying to make them uh, more productive, have uh, better products, make better use of their time and resources and get things under control. And um, often uh, being predictable is um, uh, kind of a uh, leading thing that attracts people to us to do what we do. Okay. And you focus primarily in the enterprise. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Wanted to make sure we got that in there. Uh, now, oh, go ahead. Just not small team Scrum, but in in complex uh, organizations. Right. So Scrum in a larger environment, or Agile in a larger environment. It's um, effectiveness in a larger environment. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Now you had a blog post recently called "Slack and the Agile Manager's Role: Be the Slack," and I'm going to try to. I feel like we need to have that Caddyshack, like that. No, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I want to make sure that we're clear before we talk about the actual article. So I was kind of getting ready for the interview and I wanted to make sure we had a clear definition of Slack. So being a PMP, I went to the PMBOK and I went to the, the most recent edition, the fifth edition, and I looked up Slack and there's actually no definition for Slack, which is really curious to me. So it says to look at float and float says to look at free float or total float. So I'm yeah. going to just throw these two definitions out there, and then when we can talk about how you're, what you're talking about is is a, a bit different. Um, so free float, the amount of time that a schedule activity can be delayed without delaying the early start date of any successor or violating a schedule constraint. Total float, the amount of time that a schedule activity can be delayed or extended from early start date without delaying the project finish date or violating a schedule constraint. So yeah. that's what PMI says Slack is pointing at, but you're talking about something different, right? Well, actually, you know, now that you say it, um, it's it's the same kind of thing in the same vein, but my focus is different. Okay. I think the reason that, you know, PMI, when it's talking about Slack and the schedule and stuff, um, it's it's often driven towards efficiency or utilization, and it's focused around wringing out Slack as well as uh, risk management and buffering and uh, identifying the critical path and all that kind of stuff, which is all well and good. So in my experience with effective running small teams, Agile, Scrum, Extreme Programming, they 
um, you have some people that are making backlog ready ahead of the teams, and the teams are just they're they're well oiled. They they work cross functionally. They're self organized. They plan a sprint. They get to it. They tackle it, and and they don't have dependencies and interruptions and delays. And that rings. Here's the key that rings all the slack out of that team. Okay, and so if you're focused on utilization and efficiency, you might think, oh, that's cool, that's great. Everybody's almost 100% utilized. That's, that's what we're going after. Well, here's the problem, is that in that slack, in those gaps, in those, um, the you spaces. Have those spaces, you have opportunities for creativity. You have opportunities for innovation. You have opportunities for improvement. And if you wring all the slack out of the organization, well – you could you could be hurting you you might not uh, innovate you know wh- whatever it is you do or the, you know you might not be a, a software development team you could be some other kind of team using um, using Scrum. So can I can uh, I interrupt you for one second because yeah, this sure. is this is an important thing and it's something that I've struggled with for a really long time. So I just want to say this and see how you react to it. So one of my um, concerns about a lot of the lean stuff, like when I started to learn about Kanban and especially when I started to try to do personal Kanban. I have this sort of hardcore ninja assassin approach towards waste. I must remove all the waste to make sure there is no there's no lost time. And I think there's a point at which I started to realize at least that there's some waste that must be present in order for the yes. system to be able to function. And that's I mean, because if you say we're going to wring out all the slack, that means you're removing all the gaps and all the waste time. You're basically leveling everything. But we need to leave that in, some of it. Yeah, let me tip my hat to David Anderson here. The lean decision filter says, yeah, we want to improve efficiency. We want to implement waste, but flow trumps waste. So and so, if you um, get rid of all the waste, you might disrupt the flow. So you need a little bit of buffers, some a little bit of working ahead in order so that you have smooth flow of work through your enterprise or through your team or your organization. And of the the top part of that lean decision filter is that um, uh, value trumps flow. So you're willing to wreck even flow and you're willing to incur incredible waste if you have an opportunity to get some extreme value. Um, so it's more complicated than that. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, lean kind of, I think, in some circles has a kind of a bad name. It's all about, oh, efficiency and laying people off and doing more with less. And yeah, we'll it's know. almost like the Frederick Taylor of Agile. It, <laughs> well, it's it shouldn't be. It's not. It's not intended to be. It's it's you got to keep those things in balance. Uh, uh, the um, waste, flow, and value. Okay. So when you talk about Slack, you're talking about if I'm if I'm a manager, like I'm somebody overseeing a Scrum team or a bunch of Scrum teams or whatever teams are doing whatever work. Um, there's going to be places where I will see these gaps, this downtime, and a traditional inclination would be fill it all up. Sure. Yeah. And and that's you know that that's really my message here is what do you do with it and uh, how and do you need to put some slack back into the organization and and for what purpose and then I, that brings us I think back to uh, the need for innovation and creativity that uh, that uh, slack affords if you're uh, paying attention to it which is which is my real uh, premise of my article. 
So do you think that, I mean, there's a part of me that wants to debate this and argue that, well, if we're working, let's say that we're working with Scrum and we have a really high performing team, um, the environment should be what fosters the creativity. I mean, I guess, so there's there's a part of my brain that's, I'm with you. Oh, go ahead. Who in the environment is is going to do that though? There's got to be somebody that designed the environment to do that, or is the catalyst? Isn't that the scrum master's job though to create that environment, that culture? I mean, maybe not. I, I'm I, that's. I guess that's how I would. Uh, so how I, I would view it, but it sounds like you have a different uh, thought about it. Um, so I, this scrum master is a servant leader facilitator facilitating the retro and all, but what I'm talking about is, is something I think beyond what most scrum masters do. This is about, uh, having time to ponder the organization, the larger organization and do systems thinking and, um, not just a, a, improve a small team but improve the organization okay but andrew we are too busy to take time for pondering we have stuff that has to be released we can't stop the train in the middle of the track just to have an idea and be creative we got to get stuff out the door and our competitors are going to eat our lunch why we're going to keep going they're going to take time and look at the sky isn't that – I mean, that's that's what we always say. Companies yeah. uh, build a market, and then they get really busy, and they ring all the – and then some small, smaller, more nimble competitor comes along with some innovation in some way and eats your lunch. So, you know, if, if you're a, a you know, significant enterprise, I, I think you need to be intentional about keeping that innovation going. Do you, do you see a lot of organizations when, I mean, when you're working with an organization transforming towards an agile way of working, do you see a lot of them get to the state where they're performing fairly well, but they kind of stop inspecting and adapting because they get so hung up on maintaining that pace and always delivering? They forget to take the time to be innovative? Yeah, I, I I don't know if uh, I don't know how it happens. I mean, I've I've gone from some small companies that that grew up into large ones, and uh, or even that didn't grow up terribly big, but still, after a while, you 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 become beholden to customers and and um, becoming more efficient, and that innovation was an idea that. That got the business going, but then you companies tend to uh, focus on efficiency and managing and management and not leading and continuing to innovate. Yeah, I, I guess for me, it always seems like a slippery slope. Like you, re- you referenced the the hacker days and the Google, you know, Friday thing um, in your in your article. And I've been a lot of places where I mean, a lot of places where I've gone and they're like, "Oh yeah, we always have that." Like during the part of the <laughs> during the conversation where you're either being courted for a job or when you first walk in and you're talking to somebody from HR, like, "Yeah, we always do that." And then when you get down with the team, like, "Yeah, we haven't done that in a year." That we have too yeah, much I- just this one time every week. They're like, "Just this one time." I don't think that's my recommendation so much. I think it needs to be. I think I'm recommending something different. So, okay. so yeah, that's, you know, I do mention those as as an example, but kind of in the blog post, I say that's not really what I'm talking about. Um, though it's it's still akin. That's akin to this. It's innovation days. It's opportunities for slack and creativity and doing something kind of different 
Uh, and that has value in keeping the creative juices going, um, even if you don't measurably get something out of the day itself. Um, it has lasting benefits in other areas. I guess my recommendation was that if you are doing Scrum and if you've wrung the slack out of the rest of the organization, then then who's going to to be able to have some uh, creative, innovative ways of improving the organization? Who's going to uh, do systems thinking and lead the organization in a, a new, better direction, whether it be product direction or way of working? Coupled with that, you kind of come from another direction, is what's the manager supposed to do in Agile anyway? Scrum doesn't really tell them what to do this team's supposed to be self-organizing yeah, right right but we we still have or we still have managers and they still have value um and so what do you do with them and then so what i recommend that we do with them is uh focus on that system these, thinking these, and stuff like that systems thinking and improve the organization which is a pretty can be a very significant change if they come from a background where their job was basically like I got promoted because I cracked the whip better than the next guy and now you're saying hey put that whip down and let's look at this you know let's think about so, stuff <laughs> so why where do we get uh, development managers from well we look around hey he's a really good coder let's make him the manager right. you know that makes no sense at all. Well, no, it's, I, I know why they do it. It's because whoever's the best coder reaches that state where they become dangerous, and every time they touch the code, they break things, so they promote them away from the code. Yeah, sometimes that happens as well. <laughs> but but his manager came up through the same ranks. That's what we do. Yeah. We look for people who can manage developers and who can manage developers better than developers. Well, you know, and, and we don't train them. They don't know anything about managing people. They don't know anything about systems thinking or improving the organization. And it's a huge problem in so many software development organizations. And so, and they, they keep coding often. You know, so many companies say, well, apparently we need a, a manager because that's that's what all, all companies have managers. So apparently we need managers, but I don't want to invest in a full manager so i'm going to have a part-time manager yeah. so you're uh, you're going to code <laughs> and you're going to manage people and you're going to neglect one or the other exactly you're going to do a bad job at one and a not job at the other um i want to come back to the the hacker day thing for a second just to, to round that out because i wanted to see how you react to this one of my concerns about that approach um, and maybe i'm echoing what you're saying in the article i don't know but in addition to the fact that, that that day often gets skipped, one of my concerns is that you're asking a group of people, save all your creativity up until right. Friday or every other Friday or one Friday a month. Right. And in, in, in the way that a team has to have a sustainable pace, the thing that I found, at least for myself, is there has to be a sustainable creative capacity as well. And maybe that's waste that I build into the system and that's part of what you're talking about. But um, to ask the team to just be creative every other Friday... That seems like they're going to be starving them. So it's like this binge exactly. thing. And they're going to get to that Friday. They'll be too tired to do anything. It's exactly the same thing with stand-ups and retrospectives. Oh, I'm going to save my impediment for the stand-up in the morning. Oh, uh, I, I'm going to save uh, this idea for the retrospective. No, pull the and on cord, stop the line, and deal with the impediment or or have the Kaizen moment. Yeah. Uh, Far better if you can get an organization to do that than have a retrospective every two weeks. 
Okay, so so if I'm a manager and we're ta- and I'm let's say I'm listening to this podcast, and I'm thinking, no, this makes a lot of sense. I need to leave a little bit of slack or put a little bit of slack back into the system. Um, one of the things that that I would encourage is create create space for that every day. Um, Derek and I were talking about you know trying to be productive, and for me, one of the things is I I want to I don't want to take a big vacation like a big two week vacation that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But a little bit of a vacation, maybe a half an hour every day, if I can find some way to do that to take myself totally out of the game, um, that's very valuable to me in terms of maintaining that pace. In the vacation podcast, you and Derek talked about pomodoros. Well, that's a five-minute yeah. uh, innovation break, creativity break every twenty-five minutes. So you're so that's exactly uh, kind of in line with for for workers for doers. Yeah, the 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 pomodoro uh, approach is fantastic and in line with this. And and I'm taking it further for the manager and saying the manager shouldn't be delivering stuff they shouldn't be right. delivering what the people they manage deliver they there's a they should you know when we say managers really we don't mean just manage and not lead we really want managers to have leadership as well um, and so I want to shift more towards leadership and okay kind of read stop the doing and and do some management and and do uh leadership so if i'm a team member right my if hopefully if i'm managing a team i'm creating space for the team members to have this creative space but i also have a responsibility to make sure that i have the space that's what you're talking about with not trying to play the dual roles so that i have that time to do that other type of thinking um so we're so we're sort of saying that that management at any level has a responsibility to allow this space to exist or make sure it exists for people and protect it. But do you think that at a personal individual level, each person has a responsibility to also create and protect it for themselves? Yes. So how do you? I mean, if you're you're pretty busy, you're you know on-site coaching. How do you create that space or protect that space for yourself? Not sure. Okay. I, uh, you know, I, I do my exercise. I've, I've riding my bike. I, I'll walk to dinner. I'll, uh, you know, what make sure I most of the time, almost all the time, I, I never skip lunch. I always have breakfast. Uh, I never miss an opportunity. If somebody wants to have a conversation, um, uh, if I notice I'm, if I'm getting tired of something, I'll, I'll, uh, well, it, this sounds wrong, but task switch, switch to something else. I don't think that's wrong. So I, the reason I like the way you're answer, answering the question and the thing that I want to comment on is that to, to say that you don't know, I think that's, or you're not sure, I think that's perfectly fine because your system, if your system's working, which yours seems to be doing. Yeah, I, there, I suppose there are times when I am feeling pressured and I'll, and I'll allow that to uh, dictate what I do and it's heads down, try to knock out a, a bunch of tasks for a long period of time. Um, and it, it ends up, you know, adding stress to my life. But uh, I try to recognize that and not let it be too often. So that brings up uh, another thing I would like to ask you about. I want to make sure that, or maybe you can clarify this for for somebody who's a manager who's listening to this and thinking about trying to do it. What you just described 
Um, at least when I do that, when I let the extra in and I know it's like a rubber band and I'm stretching too far, that after I've stretched out that rubber band, there's going to be like a healing point afterwards. I'm going to need that recovery time. Right. But recovery time and the creative slack are not the same thing. Correct. I think that's important to to call out for management. So they're, like, they're not like, well, we'll no. work them 90 hours this week, but then yeah. you can be creative tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and then um, 90 hours again after that. Like, it's a different thing. That's right. It's, it's different. You may get some... Um, creative moments in that but but typically because of the way you just define that they're often too far um uh too far in between and uh, not as effective yeah so so you mentioned i, I want to ask about if, if a manager is curious about how to figure out how to introduce slack or, or they're trying to learn more about this um, I mean, they can read the Tom DeMarco book that you reference in the article, but are there other ways that you can think of that they could go about trying to figure out how much, how to introduce it and maybe how much is enough? It's a, it's a belief system thing. Okay. I, I, I think if uh, an organization is focused on utilization and efficiency, then they they just don't have the, the attitude that's going to permit slack and improvement they're, they're going to tend to wring it out of the organization so you know is there are there things in the literature that will try to counteract that yeah so the demarco slack book is great i, I think uh, the seven habits of highly effective people and the uh, any any book that's trying to draw a distinction between leadership and versus management and how you get more leadership uh, i i think any number of those things are going to uh point you to the need to spend time that's unallocated towards production. So that's that downtime. Well, right. you know, and people, and so the organizations that are, are against that downtime is antithetical to them. So you, you know, if you were a change well, agent. No, 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 no. I'm going to play, I'm going to let my little project manager out of my head for a second. He's going to ask you well, a couple hey, questions. Let me finish this, finish okay. this thought is, is that it's, um, if you're a change agent in an organization and, and it's focused on efficiency utilization um, then you have to use other words. You have to use the leadership word and the innovation or creativity word and uh, attack it from a different angle, I think. Okay. All right. So I, can I let the project manager out now? Yes. All right. So this is great. I'm totally sold. How much, what percent of my time has to be slack? <laughs> well, there you go again. Right. So hold on. And then my next question is, and since I'm not going to measure utilization anymore, um, I'm assuming then that I need to track the slack. I need to make sure that I have, I have a certain amount of slack each day for each person. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I think that's because that's there's that thinking. There's that attitude of utilization and, and time tracking and, right. and time accounting. Um, that's the harder question is how do you be a change agent in an organization to change that kind of attitude and culture throughout the whole organization? Well, that's that's a whole nother book but we could but we could do an experiment and say all right so let's say you take some baseline you're not you're not making sure that your team has this slack um you could track sort of maybe the throughput or or you know from idea to to delivery something like that and then do an experiment where you start to introduce the slack to see how it affects the flow and i'm assuming there might even be like a whip limit version of slack like this is enough oh that's more than we actually need we can pull it back a little bit 
You know, I wonder if uh, the focus on lead time, if everybody was focusing on how long it took to go from idea to fruition, yeah, um, whether that would necessitate enough uh, demand for creativity and innovation and improvement that that would tend to change the culture of the organization. Just the focus on what you measure. Stop measuring um, utilization and hours and start measuring lead time. Yeah. Um, but, but then again, it's, well, how do you start that? Well, you change the CEO. So, so you're saying maybe change the CEO, but if I'm the CEO, I don't want to lose my job. I mean, I, I like my job. Um, but maybe I don't know how to see stuff the way you're talking about it. What can I do or are there things I can start to study or, or practices I can try to adopt that might help me become more aware of how this stuff can work and how it can be important and how to let go of that, you know, utilization addiction that I have? You have to see the the lack of innovation in the organization and you gotta you gotta see the risk, the the um the problem of um other companies coming along and, and eating your lunch by being more nimble and small and innovative and then get out of the and then and use that as a catalyst to move away from the management efficiency mindset towards how do we lead, how do we uh, become more innovation and get creativity in the organization. I think that mindset shift is the uh, most important first key in order to then go from there and begin leading the organization and injecting creativity or making space for creativity um, and and change the thinking throughout the organization. I think it has to start there. I also wonder if, if I mean, because this is something that I was very resistant to in the beginning, but things like those happiness metrics and even employee retention, um, I wonder if taking some kind of baseline measurement of that before trying to introduce the Slack or to support the Slack um, and tracking it after, um, if that might be worth looking at too. I mean, even though I thought those things were silly in the beginning, when I started to actually pay attention to them, they became very enlightening, not because I cared so much about how happy people were, but what it taught me about what motivated them um, has been very enlightening. Yeah, I appreciate what Dan Pink has to say in his book, Drive, the autonomy, mastery, and purpose is what motivates us. And I think to a, you know, maybe it's more complex than that, but but to me, yes, the, those things speak to me. And I think they speak to uh, many knowledge workers. Yeah. Um, and then so um, the having a purpose and, ha- and being able to improve my skills and uh, um, having some autonomy to which comes, which I think is a, a factor in having slack or the time, the space to be able to, to have some creative think, thinking. Um, I think uh, the happiness metric is measuring those things. And so it's an indicator. It's a tool. I don't, I don't know that it's a, uh, there's probably several al- alternative ways you could uh measure the effectiveness or or spot the trend, see if the trend is going in the right direction or yeah. not. Um so so sure. Cool. All right. So so Andrew, I had a situation in class the other day where I had a, a person, a student, who was asked to do a lot more than what I would say, or at least than I would teach in a scrum class, um, is is responsible for a scrum master to do. And they were also asked by their boss to do a lot of things that 
um, and, t- and utilization type reporting and things like that on their own work in hopes of providing a little guidance for that manager. Um, you have a list in the blog post of things a manager should not do. And I'm wondering if, if I can get you to read that out loud for the, for the manager so we can go back and play this for that person. Yeah, okay. So I would start at the top of my list, just making assignments, doling out work, telling people what to do. That's that's not what we need manager leaders to do. We, we, we've got knowledge workers that are um, uh, they're smart enough. They can um, organize their day. They can uh, learn to work together. And that's, you want to create an environment where that can happen. So uh, making an assignments and handing out work is, is taking people's uh, autonomy away. So directing them, telling them what to do uh, is not something a, a manager leader ought to be doing. Making hiring decisions solo, deciding who should be on the team without the involvement of the team, that's uh, antithetical to um, what managers should be doing. Doing the work. Doing the the uh, work of the team, being a contributor on the team, is not what a manager leader should be doing. They should be because um, because that takes slack away. That's taking their their slack and leadership time away if they're doing the work and being an individual contributor. The last thing on my list was being a hero, the guy who comes in to save the day. Yeah, that's that's a really dysfunctional behavior. Um, that uh, we don't want to encourage. I, I almost feel like for the teams that have that, you know, like I always describe it as like you've got Neo on your team and he's going to weave the matrix for you. Um, from a management perspective, I always, I almost feel like if I have someone like that on my team, or if I am that person, I need to purposely remove that person from the equation just to show what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Because that is one of those lessons that is hard to learn. And, you know, somebody wins the lottery, they're gone, they're not coming back. Now you're like, oops. But it's hard to teach people that Superman isn't always going to be there to save the day. That's true. But it is important. Cool. So um, I'm going to make sure to include a link to this article and to, to the book. And I'm also going to include a link to the A3 stuff that you posted because that is an important topic as well. Um any advice, any final words of advice for a manager who's trying to even just get their head around how this stuff is important and why it's important or, or how to let it live in their environment? I, I think just fostering that, uh, that uh, interest in it, fostering the interest in leadership and innovation and creativity to keep it going. Talk to other people. Start a book club in the organization. Pick up some book on either leadership or on creativity or innovation or something. Anything to make people c- to continue to think about and value these things uh, is a wonderful approach. Yeah. Cool. All right, Andrew, thank you very much. So if folks want to get in touch with you, they can. Ha- what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, I'm Andrew at leadingagile.com. I am Andrew Fuqua on LinkedIn, Andrew M. Fuqua on Twitter. Uh, not too hard to find. All right, cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate you taking time out of your morning for this. Yeah, it was fun, Dave. <laughs>